0: Good afternoon. My interest in food security, more particularly with food insecurity, has grown out of 20 years of work at Lethbridge College and the University of Lethbridge as a chaplain. It is a particular issue on campus and has increasingly become so, I have found, over the years. The city of Lethbridge, which is 93,000, has about 12,000 students, most of them living in Lethbridge. Some live in rural uh, areas and reserves, but the vast majority are living in Lethbridge. So our post-secondary population is a huge portion of the city which may explain in part why the city has such uh, a significant problem with poverty. 12% of Lethbridge is considered low income, 12% of the people, the second highest rate in the province, and one in five children, six and under, is living in poverty, the highest child poverty rate in the province. In 2013, 992 food hamper recipients were first-time users. And 1,100 hampers are distributed by the two main food banks, Interfaith and every month. We have not done uh, the same focused study of poverty among post-secondary students. We have begun, uh, we began this fall Uh, a study through vibrant leverage but we do know some things about food insecurity we know that both campuses run food banks and while in the spring the college's food bank use was down slightly the university's was up uh, quite significantly they had done 228 hampers by the middle of march and that was up from the year before and they had noticed uh, a noticeable increase in access to the food bank by international students. Mary Nugent, member of the Health Sciences faculty, did a study of food bank use at the university, one of the very few studies of its kind in North America, and found that uh, in interviewing students that there was a significant uh, fear of stigma, a fear of losing children to children's services, A general sense of exhaustion for students using the food bank. She also did a survey of students across the campus and discovered that 15% of our students at L reported going hungry at least once in the term, some of them almost daily. That's a thousand students. When we consider that most studies say that only one in four will access a food bank if they need it, that's even more disturbing. Many times what we hear from students is that they're grateful when we provide food because they haven't had a decent meal in a long time. At the end of each term at the college, we do a supper. At the end of each term at the university, we hand out groceries. And we hear this repeatedly. I have had faculty members tell me that they keep food in their desks to give to students because they realized they were giving their own lunch away too often. And different departments have food pantries with uh, sort of easy-to-prepare food that they hand out. One faculty member told me that she she became aware this was an issue when she was talking to a student about her paper, and the student couldn't take her eyes off her apple, which was sitting on her desk. It had a bite out of it, and the student finally asked, could I have that apple? She said, well, I've already started eating it. And the student said, I don't care. I'm so hungry. And so she has become a huge supporter of our project because she has seen with her own eyes uh, the impact of hunger. One of the staff from the bookstore supports us because she has watched students standing at the edge of the food court go and take discarded food that's been left and eat it. Vibrant Lethbridge uh, released a report this past year called the Waterfall Report, part of which was to look at what it costs to live on in, in Lethbridge. They found that a single person needs $4,200 a year for food. And this was before the rather significant increase we saw in the cost of groceries. My suspicion is that most students coming to school here have an unrealistic expectation of what it's going to cost them. But access is more complicated than just the issue of cost. And so I'm going to turn this over to Caitlin, who's been looking at the whole issue of access
1: to food. Hello. So my name is Caitlin Kenny. I am an urban and regional design student at the University of Lethbridge. I have the experience of being both a college student, a college instructor, as well as now a university student. So I do have a good understanding as to what Erin is talking about um, from both sides of the coin of being both staff and student and seeing my fellow peers go without food. Um, for me, food access became really important three years ago. I did a project uh, addressing food security issues, and one of the project that I started off originally was looking at food deserts within Lethbridge. So I've taken this pro- that original project and pushed it a little bit further, uh, trying to understand it and make it a little bit more universal for all applicants in the city of Lethbridge. So I'm gonna give you a quick uh, introduction to my presentation, my project that I've done. So I'm going to go through the four elements of the project, the two main definitions that I utilized, um, some maps, some zonal maps, and uh, run through and call it like a little bit of a conclusion there for you. So I focused on the city of Leffridge. I did not include any peripheral or county information because of the size and the duration of the project was over a school term. Unfortunately, that limited my scope of uh, being able to go into a greater depth. So, this project definitely takes a look at the scope within the city of Larkbridge. So, I looked at uh, access for all urban residents um, using Statistics Canada 2012. And I looked at food distributors and local organizations. So, food retailers and other organizations that focus on food provision. And restaurants and convenience stores are not part of this story um, and study and are not included. Uh, the reason for that is, well, I do acknowledge that people do gain food from these places, uh, with this study I wanted to actually determine where people are actually able to access healthy food. <laughs> well, that's a big deal. <laughs> All right, so the purpose is I identify potential resource oppression by identifying food deserts. And it's really important, I have uh, four main points here. So food is one of the bi- three basic human rights and its accessibility affects a person's health. So again, kind of going off that last little joke there. Uh, so there is evidence on many counts that within a city, the access to quality, healthy food is not equal and is affected affects various socioeconomic impediments. Socioeconomic so, yeah. I haven't done this in a while, sorry. <laughs> Uh, so therefore, we we acknowledge health as one of the basic pillars of human dignity and addressing these health inequalities is a matter of social justice. Um, so food desert analysis would identify if there are areas of low access, and if there are disadvantaged residents, by evaluating where health inequalities could be occurring. So again, my project is just taking a look at the baseline. This is just so we can actually start and question Lethbridge's food system and identify and go through systematic layers of analyzing Lethbridge. So how I put this project together was I just started compiling raw data. So I looked at food few distributors, so I went through Google Maps, Yellow Pages, I drove around Lethbridge. I'm from Lethbridge, I've been here my whole, whole life, just about it, and then a year in England. And so I have a fairly good sense ever since I could drive as to where all the good spots were to go. Um, I also took a look at seasonal distributions as well, so looking at community gardens, farmers markets, et cetera. Again, just from local knowledge, as well as you know, just h- discussing with community members. And then lastly, through the University of Lethbridge and the city of Lethbridge, I was able to utilize ArcMap GIS, uh, which is a spatial data, so I can actually compile and compose maps of the city. So food access, the main definition that I used was by Health Canada, and states that, that food insecurity is the inability to acquire or consume an adequate diet, quality or sufficient quantity of food in socially acceptable ways. So it's often associated with the household's financial ability to access acceptable food, or adequate food. A food desert, then, therefore, is an area where there's little or no access to affordable and healthy food. Those without access to transportation are forced to obtain food elsewhere, often at convenience stores with limited food choices poor quality products at higher prices. The inability for these residents to obtain a nutrient-rich diet rich diet may have detrimental effects on their health and well-being, particularly for vulnerable populations. So again, that points back to Erin's fact that the students as well as with Lethbridge, we have senior people who are living below the poverty line as well. So what I did is I started taking a look at Lethbridge and I broke our food distribution system down into three main categories. So the first one is a primary retailer. So they include supermarket food retailers, attenders, include a range of grocery items, which includes fresh produce and meat and has a minimum of 10 employees. So this is like your larger corporations like Safeway, Safeway, um, etc. So, it's large corporate-owned chains, food stores, distinguished grocery stores, and smaller non-corporate-owned food stores. So, a great example of that would be London Road Market. Grocery stores are defined as non-corporate-owned food stores. So, again, it allows for a variety of identities. So, I kind of synthesize these items together. On the map here is our primary distributors. They're marked in red and they're highlighted around by a little blue uh, space, with, which is kind of hard to see, but they're flooded with bright pink uh, walking lines. So when you're looking at the distribution across Bridge, you can start seeing some spaces that have a lot of food, and some spaces that don't have a lot of food. I then took a look at secondary distributors. So they are food retailers who do not offer a full range of groceries, so excluding fresh produce or meat, but still offer products that subsidize a person's nutritional requirements. So retailers that distribute food may have less than 10 employees or a specific food service industry, such as a bakery. So taking a look at leverage, we actually have quite a few secondary distribution systems. So... Unfortunately, my dad is a year and a half old now, and so, unfortunately, things have changed. So, we'll have to note that there are a few places that are now gone, and a few more that have come. Uh, so, taking a look, looking at the central core of the city, we do have quite a nice cluster of very few distributions, as well as kind of going down the corridor, walk to the south, a few in the north, and only a single one in the west, the west Virginia. The last one I took a look at was tertiary distributors. So they offer a low cost, small selection, which is food preserved. So dollar type stores um, would typically have access to tertiary types of food. So the low cost is subjective, keeping in mind that a person should use discretion when they're shopping, right? Uh, Even though it may be more affordable to drive to a dollar store, for example, doesn't mean that the cost is actually offset. So taking a look in Lethbridge, uh, we have a lot of the dollar stores, again, that have a food aisle. So again, a nice cluster in central Lethbridge, one in the north, a few in the south, and a singular one again in the west. I also included the seasonal, so that includes farmer markets and community gardens. So taking a look, you can see the bright pinks. We have, again, one in the north, A few in the central south, one in the deep south, and one on the west side. It's important to note that the one on the north side is a community garden. The one downtown as well, as well as by the one by Henderson Lake. That would be your uh, downtown farmer's market, the one central farmer's market. The college would be the deep south with their community garden there. And the west side would be at the University of Lethbridge. So other distributors that are included in our food system include community non and profit businesses that provide alternative food sources. So this would include food banks, soup kitchens, and pre-ordered meals. Looking at the city of Lethbridge, all of ours are clustered in the central north. So that includes the Interfaith Food Bank, Lethbridge's Soup Kitchen, Lethbridge's Food Bank Society, and Meals on Wheels. So then what I did from there is I took all these little components and I started to build them together to actually identify who and where there is access within the city of Lethbridge. So on the baseline I wanted to determine who actually had access to these places and that reduced everyone down to uh, no vehicle so you'd have to walk to be able to attain your food uh, or you have to be able to take the bus. So that is kind of the baseline there. So I used a 100 meter buffer from the original location of the food re- retailer. And used to demonstrate areas that are within acceptable walking distance. Again, this is subjective. This is what academia is telling us that a kilometer is acceptable for a person to walk, away in arms full of groceries. I, however, feel that that's not necessarily the case. You can't ask a person who has, you know, atrophied muscles, etc., to carry their groceries, 20 pounds of groceries, over a kilometer. For me, that's unacceptable. But based on not academia, this is the benchmark. <coughs> So putting all of our layers together on the city of Lethbridge, the hot pink is the food or the walking pathways within the 1,000 metres away from all of these distribution places. So again, we're actually starting to see and develop an idea of where in Lethbridge people have access to food. It is important to note that around Henderson Lake area, there is a little of space there. On as the north side of Lethbridge, and most importantly on the west side of the city. I then took a look at it from the aspect of like, well, what about a bus? Can we get to these places with a bus? So for this project and through academia literature, uh, bus acceptability is you have to be, able to be able to walk within 500 meters, so half a kilometer to the bus. Now the bus will take you to your grocery store and back to the original place that you've gone onto the stop and walk again, half a kilometer home. It's pretty exciting to note that our current bus system at this point in time, does take everyone in the city of Lethbridge to a food retailer from a primary perspective. So they do have full access to fresh produce, meats, bakeries, etc. So that is a really good thing that we have going on right now. But as to how long it takes a person or if it's still acceptable, whether or not a half a kilometer walk to get to the bus stop, to get onto the bus to get there and back, plus the time traveling on Lethbridge Transit is acceptable, that is up for question. So what I'm going to do, rather than just giving you, like, overview snapshots of what is actually happening in Lethbridge, I mapped onto Lethbridge with University of Alberta's our early childhood development project plan, and broke the city down into fairly close distributions of what they have done for their research as well. So we're going to look at the northwest first, so kind of getting a closer idea. Uh, this also includes the crossings, which is down in the bottom left corner of the map. But taking a look on the north side of the west side, we have Save on Foods, a Shoppers Drug Mart as a secondary, and a Safeway. For the most part, on the north end of the west side, things are looking pretty good. People can access food in North Bridge we're starting to see a little bit more space where people are having less of an access to food on the baseline of being able to walk or take the bus. So looking through the central corridor there, um, between the blue spaces, people do not have access. It takes longer than a kilometer to walk, or it takes longer than the kilometer, half kilometer to be able to access the bus to take them there. As well as if you're looking at Hardyville and all the new developments as well, it's taking people longer to access fresh food. Looking at the core of Lethbridge in the center and downtown. Originally, a lot of people thought there would be a great loss when Sophie's has left. And I still feel that there is a loss in that sense. However, London Road Market, which is the central red dot in the middle of the top, is actually supplying Lethbridge with a lot of fresh food. So it is to be commended that the grocery store is being able to provide that service. Looking down and towards the south, before we go into the deep south of Lethbridge. The rest are, the. sorry, the, the main distributor for there is the wholesale plot of Blackbridge. But again, we're noticing there's spaces within, between the two, that there's no food access on the basic needs. On the south side of the west, this is one of, one of the areas that I've identified as low accessibility. Right now, at the time that I had mapped this, Shoppers Drug Mart had offered more of a range of groceries and accessibility for food than they do now. So this technically would be bumped down into a secondary food, food provider, and no longer has a primary food distributor across the, south of the west side. This feeds back into Aaron's loop of accessibility for students, as well as young families and seniors who live in the west side. And to contrast that, we're going to go into the t of Lethbridge, which has quite a variety of primary food distributors. For the most part, the area seems to be filled in those requirements outside of Tudor's states, which is just outside of the bubble. However, that this still raises the question, even if they are do have access, is it affordable access? So again, my conclusions are just taking a look, and I've highlighted for your uh, purposes the college and the university, which are in yellow, um, leverages the distribution system, identifying that there are on the baseline a lot of access, but however, there are areas of unaccess within the city. So, the current distribution of food retailers does not take into account all socioeconomic and further conditions of its residents. Again, I would call into question of who would be able to carry over 20 pound bag of groceries for a kilometer not feel absolutely exhausted. Um, let alone taking tax a cab out of your, you know, your monetary funds for the month, or take the bus, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, this project was just to take a look at the baseline of identifying food access with the bus approach. Thank you.
0: I just wanted to say a few things about what we are trying to do to improve access. Um, There is a group that's working in the city of Lethbridge on food issues, Chinook Food Connect. There is also the city committee that overlooks poverty issues, Vibrant Lethbridge, and I see a number of Vibrant Lethbridge people here today, which is looking at issues like access to resources through transit and the rest. So Vibrant Lethbridge has been working with Leftovers transit to look at at routes and scheduling and costs to try and increase access. Um, all of which I think is very positive. There's every time I go to a meeting, I discover there's more things happening in the city I didn't know about. Uh, the the new community garden, which is in London Road uh, area, was quite marvelous this uh, this summer. So that was a new initiative. And I think there's a number of possible new initiatives along those lines uh, that should be showing up in the next year or two. Again, sort of creative the growing of grocery, of uh, food on the top of uh, Park Place. Those kinds of initiatives improve access to locally grown produce, particularly. Uh, I happen to know through the world of Facebook that there are people raising chickens in their yards, but I don't know where. (laughs) I know nothing, I see nothing. Uh, But I do know that there are people trying to do some creative things uh, in terms of of access to food. Uh, The Interfaith Food Bank has a teaching kitchen and is running courses on on how to prepare inexpensive, easily uh, accessed food and have a whole program also of community kitchens and will even go out and, and get you set up doing a community kitchen in your own uh, neighborhood. So they're doing some very creative things that way. When they run their own community kitchens, they have some now in the evenings and weekends with childcare providers to also improve access. Because of course, You know, Caitlin talking about people having to carry groceries, add in to toddlers, and you realize it's a nightmare. I mean, the thought of trying to get home groceries uh, if you've got little ones, or if you have a mobility issue. If you're a senior, I just heard, uh, yes, it, it becomes a significant issue. On campus, I mentioned some of the things we're doing. We've been doing a meal at the end of the term for 20 years. Uh, local congregations prepare a hot, lovely meal, and we uh, feed students up, we get grandparents to serve, and there's nothing quite like watching them go around, and Grandpa say, now eat, eat, eat everything on your plate, <laughs> and there's, students love that, actually. Um, it's, it's a big selling feature that you're going to have grandmas and grandpas there which points also to the whole aspect of food, which is not just the nutritional aspect, but the whole social uh, community aspect that you need together. Uh, at the university, we used to hand out sandwiches and baking late at night, and then risk management found out and sort of flipped. Uh, I think it's the technical term for it. I got panicked uh, phone calls the day before saying, you can't do this, students might die. Like, oh my goodness. Church people have been making sandwiches for years. They haven't killed anybody yet, but we had to stop doing that. So instead we started putting out an appeal across South Alberta for groceries, uh, non-perishable things, which we then sort and bag and uh, save on on the west side and the bookstore at the university provide us with cloth bags and we fill them. We fill them with groceries and we usually hand out 350 bags of groceries in about 12 minutes because the students are lined up for an hour ahead of time. Uh, It's much appreciated. We started uh, working with Aramark. They became the food providers at the university two years ago and have actually been very concerned about